Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Today, I am very excited to have Dave Lockie, who is the Web3 lead for Automatic. Thanks so much for being here, Dave. Hey, Mark. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So if you could get started, maybe just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you first came to hear about crypto. Sure. Um, zoologist by degree, um, ended up working the web uh, because it was just the most interesting thing that was going on at the time. I'm quite old, so this is, I guess, like turn of uh, the millennium, that sort of time. And I got into building WordPress sites for friends and family. Gradually, that became my job. And eventually, I ended up with um, an agency. I think at our peak, we're about 65 people. And somewhere along that journey, I walked into our office one morning and saw one of our developers looking at um, a monitor. And it, I don't know if you've ever used New Relic or one of those application performance monitoring tools, but it's like yeah. a lot of graphs and you know usage this and through but that. And I was like, wow, you know, really nice to see you here so early, so dedicated, checking on the health <laughs> of our client sites. And he was like, Oh no no! This is my ETH miner at home, and I was like, "That's that's your that's your what?" And that that moment, that interaction, really um, just started it all. I think it was the juxtaposition of expecting to see a tool that I knew so well for our profession of building websites, and then it being about financial infrastructure. I suddenly just got the two together, like, okay, it's digital, it's money, like, wow, tell me more. And um, so I got super down the rabbit hole for a couple of years. Uh, so that was, I guess, my first cycle. That was the end of 2017 going through to 2018. So caught, um, caught some of the run up, <clears throat> definitely caught uh, a lot of the way down as well. <laughs> and then um, really enjoyed the last cycle. I mean, it was kind of weird with covid and lockdown and trump and uh you know just a lot of froth and like oh i mean like looking back it's such a wild ride like all the okay. terra lunas and ftx's and three arrows and i was just really enjoying uh up only the show at that point and yeah. it's all that kind of like it was such good vibes it was such a funny time in crypto um so yeah i'd kind of taken my eye off the ball a little bit i guess before that run uh so i kind of missed out on DeFi summer um, but since that last, last cycle, I've really just been very consistent, um, in my interest to the space. I, I know it's a bit of a meme, but I, I do find the tech really interesting, but I find it, the scene most interesting because you can kind of see it from almost every different lens there is, you know, whether it's financial or social or art or corporation or politics or like, there's a, there's a bit of something for everyone. Uh, I find. Anyway, that was a really long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, that was a great answer. And I think that is, it really appeals to people who like to uh, see all these concepts kind of come together. It's got a little bit of the politics. It's got, you know, a lot of just the philosophical sort of leanings into it. And it's got such as finance, technology. Uh, it was the intersection of all the things I liked. So it was, yeah. uh, it was very attractive in that sense. Um, so you work for Automatic, which uh, I think a lot of people probably don't even uh, know is a company or understand sort of uh, the parent structure of all the underlying products and technologies that are um, working, you know, under the hood. So could you tell 
people a little bit about maybe how Automatic got started and some of the um, the companies that are owned underneath it and uh, why you chose to work there specifically? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So Automatic was founded by uh, Matt Mullenweg, who was the co-founder, one of the co-founders of WordPress, one of the two co-founders. Um, and I, I don't know kind of the, the early origins, but I think he founded the company so that he could offer hosted WordPress, so WordPress.com. I imagine that's the point at which the company was formed. Um, and so over the first few years, that's that's what we did. We had, we provided a SaaS version of WordPress, so this uh, the world's most popular content management system. Over time, WordPress just became like insanely popular. Uh, I think something around forty percent of all domains uh, on the web run WordPress. Wow. So it's it's a massively important public good. Um I think is sort of a crypto way to describe it. And it's all open source. And so WordPress.com was just an easy way to get started with this blogging software, which turned into website software, which turned into e-commerce software. And so along the journey, we've created a few brands and products and we've acquired a lot more as well. So our I guess like our investment thesis is open source um we're true believers in open source and we have everything from the original wordpress and a bunch of related businesses through woocommerce which is the business unit uh, that i call home and that's the e-commerce ecosystem for wordpress or at least the dominant one uh, then we have tumblr which is an old school but very cool social media platform We've recently acquired a business called Tex, which is a uh, like a safe and secure way to aggregate messages from across like Slack, WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram. So it uses then um, native um, auth methods. You're not adding any more risk, but it's all just like one nice interface, and it adds a couple of bonus features on top. So yeah, we're quite a. I'd say we've got like quite a broad church now. Um, but open source and democratization are, are kind of the the linchpins to our to our thesis. And we're a pretty big business now. We're a couple of thousand people. Um, <clears throat> Automatic as a brand does kind of fly under the radar a little bit compared to our um, sibling brands or child brands. Um, but it's really quite a unique and special place to work. And I feel like it is very in line with what web three is about you know we're about trying to help people make a living online we're trying to protect people's freedoms the right to publish the right to comment the right to sell um and so as my i guess as my agency journey was coming to an end and my uh excitement about web three and crypto was uh just being reinforced like i'd, I'd really built up enough conviction by this point I think this was through the second cycle. Um, I just, I started to understand the cycles and I'd seen enough to, to know, like we're building something really important here and it's going to intersect with the world that I know. And I don't think many people understand how, um, and I care about the WordPress ecosystem. You know, it's, it's an incredible space, shares a lot of values with uh the crypto world and i thought look if there's one 
company that is going to take a bet on the future of WordPress and unlocking the opportunities within Web3 to help us grow that next leg up, then it's going to be automatic. And um, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, I think it's a really hand in glove fit. I've had a lot of experience with e-commerce companies, website companies. Most of them are just incredibly centralized. They put, you know, they're very willing to put their finger on the scale and tell you what to do, how to run mm -hmm. your business, what you can and mm -hmm. can't do. And, you know, there really just seems to be the sort of polar opposite thinking uh, with, with you know, WooCommerce and uh, WordPress. Um, it's kind of the foil to the Shopify's who are, you know, really centralized. And every day I get someone telling me their business got shut down without any rhyme or reason. And uh, these are a lot of the same you know, problems that happen with banking and why crypto is, you know, so interesting to a lot of those same people. So I've so, seen a send, lot of Send them away. Send them away, yeah. but we're working I, them. I absolutely, we actually already are. WooCommerce, we're like, go, go set up WooCommerce and then we'll work with you guys. Um, and so, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, and I've always really liked the sort of uh, mission and the ethos of the company. And so I guess that being said, how or when did the company decide to start seriously thinking about uh, Web3 and crypto integrations? And how have you sort of shepherded them through that process to identify where it makes sense? Yeah, great, great question. Um, and yeah, it's always nice to meet people who have come from that sort of, I guess, like the pre-crypto open source community and have like been attracted to crypto because of those values as well. Um, so funny enough, we've not funny, maybe funny, I don't know, but we've actually had like a dip to toe in crypto previously. So I think I found a blog post, like we have got this incredible, because we're an async business. So everything's written up, um, you know, we're a blogging company at heart and everything is based on blogs. And so you can search everything and that's uh, incredibly powerful, it turns out. And so I think back in, like 2014, we would let you pay for a WordPress.com plan with Bitcoin. Wow. Um, <laughs> Do you guys so, save that Bitcoin and sit on it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I suspect it's kicking around somewhere, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we we took that down, I think, partly because we realized that the price was so volatile, it didn't really make sense for customers to pay with Bitcoin. Like they, We didn't want them paying with Bitcoin and then like regretting doing so. Um, <laughs> so I... I guess I can speak best to my part of the story, which was uh, join a company and the first job that became apparent even during the kind of interview process was like, we've got, uh, there's a team within Woo, which is my home team, and we run uh, partnerships with all the payment processes that you can find on uh, Woo.com. So, you know, your Stripes, your PayPal's, your Clartners, your Afterpays, your Affirms, your Amazon Pays. Um, and there were a bunch of crypto payment solutions that wanted to join the marketplace, that wanted to partner with us. So that was really the low hanging fruit in so many ways. You know, these are companies, so they're corporations with people that you can sign a contract with. You know, it's not a bunch of anons in a DAO throwing tokens around. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like US dollars, US jurisdictions, you know, taking payment. Sometimes I think like payments is the original use case for crypto and it's been around you know not too dissimilar amount of time to wordpress um yep. you know 
Bitcoin's pretty old now. Um, so we felt like it was well proven um, as a use case. And we could also see because people have been building crypto payment processing extensions for Woo for a long time, we could go to WordPress.org and other sources and see that there was demand for these solutions from merchants. So that was really just sort of uh, pushing an open door. Um, but nevertheless, it takes time to build up the case internally to think through all the risks to identify the right partners. So we don't want to kind of, when you get into crypto payment acceptance for merchants, it's actually a bundled set of maybe 10 to 15, like high level requirements, you know, mm -hmm. which, which coins, which chains, you know, is it custodial, non-custodial, yeah. like all, all this so stuff just unravels. So we wanted to find partners at A, trustworthy, B, that um, gave our merchants kind of just enough overlap, but also enough spread so that if you're a merchant that wants to do technically non-custodial, anything to anything payments, you could do that. If you wanted a payment processing provider that would just take Bitcoin and put it into your bank account the next day or in the next hour, then you could do that as well. So it's quite a kind of big playing field to try and um, cover. Um, so we got that cohort of partners launched Q4 last year, and they've been up and running since then. And then this year has been a little bit go slow because the market's just been like hard to call. Um, it's actually been kind of an up only year, but it's been an, a very noisy and nervy up only year. There have been no until the last month, I would say there have been no kind of clear trends or breakouts either in terms of ecosystems or, or, or memes. I think we've started to see some of this kind of the dot tech, you know, song.tech, friend.tech, post.tech, uh, kind of Ponzi collaboration, gamification stuff play out. And obviously Solana has been kind of a bit, bit of a success story so far this cycle too. But um, yeah, so it kind of goes slow, kind of just investing in the partnerships that we've created. Uh, looking ahead to next year, we're hoping to launch uh, NFT and token gating partners onto the marketplace. So uh, around loyalty, around thinking about how we can rethink commerce by using tokens. So yeah, there's, again, it's like, a, if anything, it's an even broader um even bigger playing field to try and cover but that's i think that makes sense as the next um partnership category so yeah excited to launch those and then honestly just trying to stay across like the the roiling foaming oceans of crypto and figure mm -hmm. out like what you know what what is actually um resonating what are our merchants going to find useful what are they asking for and who's out there that's doing a good job of putting that together yeah, and I think that's probably a question most of the people who have been on my podcast have been asking themselves is, how do I go about partnering with a company like you guys, someone who's mm. established, who has a good reputation? You know, what is the necessary vetting that needs to take place? Where do I need to be as a company? Is that right. having, you know, some people with some traditional finance experience on staff? Is that us hitting certain, you know, KPIs? Um, you know, what would you tell a small upstart crypto company uh, to do if they really want to partner with a large, you know, established brand like yourselves? Yeah, great question. And I think 
The answer is to sort of think about us as an investor. So we're not, you know, you don't go to A16Z or Paradigm and ask for like seed and angel money. You go when you've started to get a bit of traction and you need, um, you need, you've got an opportunity to put more fuel into the engine faster and go further and faster than you can um, with small amounts of capital. And so that's, that's a good way to think of us. We're not Cedar Range or, you know, we're series BCD, like show us, show us why we should partner, you know, where are you proving, um, where, where are you creating success for merchants using Woo? Where are you demonstrating as a monetization opportunity and how does partnership with us? help you because it doesn't always like there has to be a reason to partner and there are lots of reasons to partner and i hope lots of people want to but um yeah that's hopefully that's a decent answer you know don't don't expect to show us a deck and get a partnership you know we're going to want to see mm -hmm. you with an integration with onboarded we merchants that are giving you good reviews you know show that you're committed to the space because when we partner we partner for uh, guys, I feel a bit like David Amber when, when these seabirds mate, they mate for life, you know, we do partner <laughs> long-term, you know, like we never enter into a yeah. partnership thinking, oh, we'll give this a go. It's always yeah. with the view like, okay, what does success look like in two, three, five years and how do we get there? And if we can't see a path to that, then it's probably not the right time to partner. That makes sense. And that makes you a very good partner to have, I think, when you're willing to grow together and it might be a little more to get over the line and get vetted, but you know, it's worth worth the investment um once you do that. So as far as flipping the script a little bit, hmm. how do you listen to your customers? How do you understand what their needs might be and weigh those with potential partners? You know, are there certain uh groups of customers who are constantly requesting really you know future forward features or who might be all in on solana that are harassing you all the time um how do you sort of balance all the different yeah. you know camps that are in crypto that are constantly trying to push you know their technology their favorite token their favorite nft uh, how do you balance just all those different voices i guess i yeah i mean i think zooming out from just crypto you know, we've got a very big support function called our, our happiness team. So they're in contact with customers and prospects daily. Um, so there's a lot of quantitative data that comes out of that. We do have some quantitative data. So um, I don't know how many people would realize this. So I'm just going to kind of um, get it out there. But when, when you download and use open source software like WordPress from WordPress.org, you don't need to have a relationship with us as a business to do that. It's an open source project. You can download it. You can host it wherever you like. You can hack the code, install whatever you want. Like, you know, we might never know apart from like, you know, third party scans like built with or W3 techs or whatever that you've built an incredibly valuable site or store using the software. Uh, that we've built a business around and, and provide lots of services to. Um, however, because we do provide so many services to so many stores and sites, we do, and we give people the 
option to share data back with us to help us improve the products and services, yada, yada. And we do get a bunch of quantitative data that way as well. Um, so yeah, it is a mix. I'd say the the vast majority is like mundane day-to-day -day stuff. Like, oh, when I install these two payment solutions, then their buttons look ugly together in this thing that I'm using. You know, it's like pretty, uh, pretty uh, run-of-the-mill uh, de daily sort of uh, daily bread stuff. Uh, there's a lot of innovation that happens at the edges, and I think where I'd expect to see like the people that are pushing forward to crypto or Web3 memberships and they're using WordPress, I wouldn't expect them to be like talking to us. You know, they're the kind of people like if you're up with that sort of technology, you've got technologists in your team doing stuff with WordPress and WooCommerce is pretty trivial to them usually. Um, and there's a bunch of like contractors and agencies out there. Um, we're definitely seeing good growth with the payment solutions. We can also keep an eye on the open source WordPress uh, marketplaces. So WordPress.org is the open source one that shows you how many active downloads, active sites there are and how many downloads are happening. So we use that as a powerful data source. Uh, we talk to prospective partners. Um, yeah, but it, I'd say that's one of the key disadvantages for having a, an open business is that you don't have the kind of absolute uh, insight that you, you would if you were Shopify where everything is running through your servers all the time. Um, but, you know, balancing freedom and um, freedom and all knowing, uh, the all knowing <laughs> I is a kind of difficult balance for society yeah. to manage. So it is, it is absolutely. That's a, that's a massive problem to, to balance, but I think you guys are doing a good job of it. And I think you can listen to the customers and instead of just stalking the customers, you can just listen to what they say. And a lot of times right. that gets you <laughs> really close. And, and I can't uh, say if you're, if you're out there and you're using WordPress or you're using Woo or you want to create web three experiences, like come talk to us. Um, my email is dave.lockie, L-O-C-K-I-E at automatic.com. Like I'm, I'm pretty good at responding and I'm super keen to hear from people that are trying to do cool stuff. Um, and to the extent I can, I, I will definitely support and certainly listen. That's awesome. Well, that's, you know, that's exactly what this community I think is about. Just, uh, having that access, I think is what honestly makes crypto different than many other industries. People are just willing to talk to each other, share ideas, um, and really work together. Um, I think with a lot less red tape than a lot of other industries are willing to do uh, and take that chance, which I think is great. It's collaboration is there... technology, right? I mean, that's, exactly. this is what it's all about. Yeah. And everyone seems to be wanting to build out, you know, the, the same things at some level, they're all trying to work towards the same goal in many ways. So um, starting with, you know, decentralization, which is sort of your, already your foundation makes it pretty yeah. easy to, to be aligned in that sense. Is there, is there any, company or idea that you really hope hits your inbox after just saying, uh, after just giving out your email, you know, is that, you know, some site or some protocol that might allow you to make a truly unstoppable site on chain or just, you know, if you could really, you know, if, if it could be anything and if it could be something that might come in five years, maybe not now, what would be your dream sort of partner that could come through the door? That's a great question. I mean, I'm going to answer it kind of indirectly because we've got 
you know, we're lucky enough. I'm privileged enough that I'm in touch with a lot of the folks that I would want to be already. Um, I mean, I think you've got to look at companies like Coinbase that are offering, they're not just offering like one thing, they're offering a whole range of services and they're very really focused on the same sort of market as Woo. So yes, you want to accept payments, but if you've then got crypto, do you want to exchange it? Do you want to custody it? You know, that's, there's plenty of stuff that you can do. Um, so I think somebody like that is, is obvious. Um, I guess where I hope we start going is the more digitally native um, side of building experiences online. So let me backtrack a little bit. So one of the things that I think is becoming clear, um, both through our experience and just what I'm observing around is that crypto is kind of forking into these two different like top level use cases. I think you've got crypto payments as a, let's just call it an alternative uh, payment technology for dollars. So I think the, the idea of calling stable coins, crypto dollars makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, it's just a, an easier way for a lot of people to pay for goods or services with dollars than through anything else. So I think if you're a traditional merchant and you're tied to the real world, you know, you're paying suppliers, you're shipping staff. Um, it doesn't really make sense to price things in crypto, but it might well make sense to price things in dollars and accept stable coins. Um, so I think that's what's one use case. Uh, and then the other is like digitally native or like on-chain native, uh, good services experiences. And I think that's where the biggest growth potential is and it's potentially where we have like the most impact on people as well and i think as we spend we all spend more and more of our lives online then we are all starting to kind of i guess not sleepwalk into it but we're all rely increasingly reliant on making a living online as well and I think a lot of that making a living online is actually really well suited to crypto native assets and payments. And that's the part of our business that I'm most excited about. How can we give creators a better platform to make a living? So not to make money, mm -hmm. but to make a living, to be, to feel confident that you're going to be able to put food on your family's table in, you know, six months time, a year's time. And you kind of alluded to this earlier on when you're talking about like the churn of, or like the deplatforming of merchants from Shopify stores. I think they like the kind of web two centralized platforms at the moment just have this flywheel and Lindy effect and audience and everything else. Um, but over a longer period of time, inevitably like some will fail out or some will get bought or their terms of service will change or, you know, TikTok will get banned in the US or whatever it is. So I feel like there's an opportunity for an identity. Identity is kind of a manifestation of people's rights, but an identity that is prior to these platforms. So if you've built up a massive audience on YouTube, 
and for some reason the terms of service change or you're unable to use YouTube or you get deplatformed, like that's not your entire living also gone. Like you can still, you've got the cryptographic key that you signed your YouTube content with proving you're not AI. You know, that key should also be valid on TikTok or WordPress or Tumblr or wherever else. Um, and I think that that world is really exciting to me because a lot of what we do, and I think AI has kind of really clearly shone a light on this. A lot of the way that we create value is just interacting with each other and that, you know, those interactions are valuable and important and they're perfectly suited to digital assets. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one thing that I kind of thought of while you were talking about that is sort of how the impact you have plenty of, of time you know, to think. Yeah, <laughs> but I was just, I guess, thinking about how maybe globalization has impacted like demand and you, I guess the true utility of crypto. So as there's more cross-border payments happening, as merchants are selling, you know, into the US or, you know, all around the world, if it's starting to make a lot more sense to price and exchange in crypto to avoid all the cross-border fees, payments. And then ultimately, if someday, you know, as a addendum to that, those merchants can potentially uh, lend amongst each other. So if I'm in Africa and interest rates are insane, but I've got a decent <laughs> business with decent financials and there's some guy in America who is open to, you know, giving me a flash loan for 10 grand at a 30%, you know, mm. rate or something as opposed to mm. 60%, um, you know, how, how it can potentially make the world a little smaller and allow people in all these other countries to, um, to just do commerce in a more, uh, a just simplified manner, cheaper, faster. Yeah, and I think we're seeing increasingly like the dollarization of a lot of smaller economies as well. I mean, it is just happening. And so once you've got uh, dollar-based economies that are separated by nation states with regulations and different banking systems, like that's one of the things that, that I think crypto does really well. It's like, global permissionless infrastructure that anyone can back into, you know, whether that is, you know, the open web, uh, or like, you know, the, the, the experiences we have now, or it's financial infrastructure, like it's the same idea, you know, it, it's just there. If you want to use it and it makes sense for you to do it, you can. And I think that, that quality, that characteristic, that if you want to do something on it, you just can is uh you know i'm bullish i'm bullish on that <laughs> yeah seems pretty simple but you know not enough people are doing it <laughs> yeah yeah so what else would you say you're maybe more personally bullish on are there certain themes that you've been getting excited about certain chains you know when you look at what you might you know personally be you know investing in or at least just researching just for your own sake what do you find to be the interesting themes. Yeah, so thank you. And just to kind of put a clear delimiter there between yeah. um, like me as automatic employee and, and me just as Dave, um, I found myself this year really enjoying some of the gamification experiences that have been built. I think like Layer 3 and Phyland and um, Galaxy and some of the other ones have just done a great job of making it actually interesting and kind of compelling 
to learn about lots of different things that are going on. I guess that's like the superficial level because it is just kind of overwhelming. And I find, okay, just one thing, I just learned that. I feel like I've made some progress. I think my, my kind of grander thesis is around tokenizing content and what unlocks you get when you do that. So at the moment, for example, and again, I'm talking about WordPress, but I spent a long time working with WordPress before I worked at Automatic. So this is sort of, um, you know, again, my personal thesis, we bundle a lot of things into content management system, it's content creation, it's content storage, it's content distribution, it's all of these different things. And I think whilst, yes, we've seen dominance of like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and everything else, there's a kind of underlying trend, which I think sometimes gets missed, which is that people just don't care about websites as much anymore. They care about the content and it just happens to be like whatever whatever app, whatever algorithm is better for serving you the type of content that you're into wins. Um, so actually I'm really bullish of like unbun how tokenizing content could unbundle um, WordPress and allow us to just be an incredible content creation tool and more if you want it, but just letting people freely publish content, push it out there into like, I guess the decentralized content cloud where there are going to be like data availability ind indexes where you can embed not just the content, you know, the text, the words and everything else, but also, you know, the styles or um, like the monetization rights or the reusage rights or um, all of that. And you can kind of, you preserve all of it. So at the moment, a book bookmarking is a great use case. So at the moment, you're in an app and you bookmark something, you're like, okay, yeah, I'll like that. I'll save it for later. Um, it's not really that useful. You've got to remember like which app it was in and then you've got to trust that it's still there. Like, oh, sorry, this tweet was deleted or, you know, the content was updated since last time I looked at it. Or you have to um, bookmark it in your browser bookmark, if, browser toolbar, if anyone still does that. And then you have to hope that the website's still there and the link still works and the content hasn't changed. Or you have to like push it all into something like Rome Research or um, Obsidian or Evernote or Google Keep or whatever. And then you lose all of the context, right? Like the creator doesn't get the analytics of who's looking at this stuff. You, It looks janky. Um, and any monetization that was attached is kind of broken. So what I really love is the idea that you can pass this content on in a very clear way, like with all the original intention, and it's like 100% fidelity. It doesn't get lost. It doesn't get changed. You don't lose like any of the intention that the creator put into it. Um, so even even just that, even just the idea that like a content NFT is a better way to bookmark, I think is super interesting. And when you start building in like reusage rights and monetization and royalties and um, building, I guess, like this secondary economy around content, like creating a better experience than the original uh, creator envisaged or like bundling this stuff together or uh, adding a funny soundtrack and like reposting it, I just think it's kind of the stuff that we do 
already. And there is this really powerful human thing around collecting, you know, like you see it with kids, like they collect things that they find interesting and shiny. Um, and for me, tokens are just that sort of, they really lean into that very primal compulsion that we seem to have. Um, so I, I can, I can really see tokenized content and collecting content being a really rich way to support creators. Because then obviously then you get like the direct link between the creator and the, the fan, then you can message, you can send financial transactions, you can do unlocks for accessing other content. I just think it's a much more vibrant, uh, way of doing things. And for me, it create, it starts to create like a graph of data that you can then build algorithms on, you know, the web is, has always been about algorithms, you know, the web one is about like search engine algorithm. How do you like rank? How do you connect with people that way? The current area is all around like social media algorithms, like suggested content and, uh, all of the, the weirdness that goes with that. And so if the open web is gonna thrive, you know, if we're not all just going to become kind of digital surfs to the tech giants, then we need to find a way for the open web to have really powerful algorithms as well. And we have to, to my mind, you have to bet on open source for that. You have to bet on the open web, which means that you have to make these data connections open and bet on human in algorithmically. Maybe it doesn't get to the same, you know, the same level of excellence as a very targeted web two platform that just does this stuff really well. But maybe what you gain is that actually creators prefer the fact that this is theirs and they can't be deplatformed and that it can link in with, it can be composed with anything else, you know, web two or web three. And you know, that's enough of a ratchet that over time, both people choose to build, like to make their living in the open. But also I figure at some point there's a tipping point and the YouTubes and the Instagrams are like, okay, come and connect your creator profile, you know, like, like we're going to help you do, do your thing, um, and change, change the way that they have these relationships. So I guess that's like my, my grander hope, because I think it's a more equitable and more exciting society than just like. Which of these shiny apps are you going to open and live in today? Yeah. And I, for some reason, the first thing that comes to my mind is honestly podcasts, like the RSS feed really democratized right. the podcast. Uh, you know, 100%. you aren't beholden to one platform. Um, but on the flip side, it's difficult because it's very hard to aggregate the analytics from all the places where, you know, yeah. you're posting. And so as a result, it can be hard to prove your value to advertisers and prove the size of your audience's scale. Um, and also these audiences are often very international. So people are all over. So if you're doing, you know, PayPal or something just to get, you know, 10 bucks a month, then a lot of times you're paying crazy fees to convert your Indian, you know, consumers money right. into your Patreon. <laughs> and, um, and so it becomes like kind of a real nightmare, but I think that would be really honestly an excellent initial use case that seems to kind of fit is find just ways that podcasters can uh, better interact, better monetize their audiences while staying, you know, as decentralized and, um, you know, secure in the sense that they can't be deplatformed easily. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that goes back to payments again. A lot of podcasters get their payments cut off um, unknowingly. They say one thing that they're not supposed to on YouTube and their YouTube gets shut down. Yep. <laughs> 
um you know this this podcast my twitter was banned for three years i don't even know what i said they just took it off um, mm -hmm. and it was during the last crypto bull run so i missed you know i was i oh, was man. a very good company really at the time sucks. and all my yeah. buddies all my buddies got to like a quarter million followers during that time and i just had to watch and sit back and you know just sucking just kinda, hard Right. Um, and so that happens a lot and people are pretty frustrated with it. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity. There's not a lot of brand loyalty with these existing companies that have really shown their customers. They're not on their side. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm not I'm not one to like trash talk um, what other people are doing. I mean, I think, you know, the web's an incredible place and it's given amazing opportunities to people. But I do think there's there are better ways to do things. And I kind of see my, all right, this is like being a bit grandiose, but like part of the reason I wanted this role is to try and manifest some of those better ways. Like if I have this belief that there can be a, a better world by combining these two technologies, like, okay, Dave, go make it happen. You know, yeah. that is uh, both the role that I gave myself and the role that I was given. So, but you know, just some of the dynamics around it, like listening to you talk about subscribing, it's like, Subscriptions are super problematic at the moment, right? I mean, it worked fine when there was just Netflix and now there's like five mm. different, you know, like yeah. it's the same tropes. But, you know, maybe on, on holiday, like I'm just having a like no screen few weeks. Like why do I want to pay 50 bucks for digital services? And what if like mm -hmm. your content sucks for a few months? Like I don't want to, you know, so there's this sort of tie. That's really why I really like the collecting um paradigm so you know what you see on lens or mirror which is like oh, i read that that was kind of cool and it's like 10 cents to save this forever into my personal library that i can use to presumably like train my ai on in the future and it's like a global library of all the things that i've liked from lots of different sources um you know it's a much lower amount of revenue to you but it's i think it's more access it's going to be more accessible to more people as more people end up with like funded wallets and it's in the browser and it's like yeah why you know it's a few cents whatever um i hope that's going to become a complementary way that creators can engage with their fans because i think there's a lot of richness around that um as I say, yeah, so, yeah, and it could even be for micro payments, micro investments. It could be every podcast episode. My fans get to choose whether they want to put a dollar in, and if we make a hundred thousand dollars off of it, we split, you know, whatever the extra yep. revenue is there. You know, you can really turn. And some of my favorite podcasts, they they have their fans who they just call their producers, and their fans are aggregating all of the episode content, and they're yep. making artwork, and they're you know they're doing a lot of the work, and it's decentralized and you know, that's, that's a really neat system and it's very powerful because the people get much more involved. They're excited to have some impact or at least feel like, um, they're making a difference with something they care about and many are willing to support so long as they know it's, you know, being used in a way that they care about. Um, and so I think we're going to get to this, this level where there's a lot, a lot fewer big investors and the average person gets a lot more access to um, a lot of different vehicles to park their money and support the people who right. they agree with. Right? And look, we're kind of going back to the original, like, what did I find interesting about crypto, which is like, 
okay, it's like financial income, but it's also a collaboration platform and it's a better way to, you know, you look at Paragraph or Basepaint or any, like, you know, there's co-create, it just sort of, it makes a substrate for how we are together in this like new, it's a much more rich tool set for us to go and explore that stuff together. Um, yeah, I, can't, I had one other thought, but I can't remember what that is now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of stuff falls out of that. Like it's just, you know, it's just a it's just a better way of doing like connectivity and messaging and uh, financial stuff online. And um, I think over over anything but a trivial timeline, that just becomes increasingly important to people, and they're going to value sovereignty or at least like freedom and portability more and more. So. I guess that's that's the bet I'm making personally, and um, I guess we're making as a business to some extent as well. Yep, and I think you are seeing that more and more. I mean, when I first got into this, you know, these themes were not nearly as popular. People didn't quite see, you know, in a first world country like the U.S., why do we need something that will protect right. us from inflation? You know, the guys yeah. in Venezuela got it, the guys in Turkey got it, but, you know, we couldn't quite get it. And so over time... I think it's becoming more clear to people why it matters. And I think uh, having, you know, big established companies like yours, you know, really taking the initiative to validate some of this stuff um, is going a long way to convince the last few naysayers that this is something to pay attention to. And it would be unthinkable even, you know, seven, eight years ago. I don't think anyone would have seen, you know, initiatives like this sort of in the works. So I think you're doing... Uh, doing what needs to be done to, to take it the last mile. And I know this is, again, it's a bit of a kind of crypto trope, but the way that most people will use crypto is that they won't know they're using crypto. Um, and there'll be, there'll just be like a continuum to my mind. There's just a continuum of, okay, well, this is a cool experience or this is a better way of doing that thing. And, oh, there's a, like this advanced section. And if I want to like move this whole thing or take ownership or like do whatever then i can do that but it's sort of very clearly differentiated so i think yeah a lot of a lot of folks are just like oh well it's cheaper for me to send money that way or um collecting school like i've just managed to like do all this stuff and now my ai is on fire um so yeah i i hope that the values that crypto embody continue to become in more and more important and find more re uh, resonance with people. But um, yeah, I think if most people never heard the, the word NFT or token, then it would probably be a good thing. <laughs> well, with that, I think that's a great place for us to wrap things up. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, if you have any, uh, any socials you'd like to drop or any places that people can learn more about you or more about what Automatic is doing, um, please feel free to share those now and I'll make sure to link them in the episode description as well. Uh, you can follow me on most social stuff on uh, Divi Dovi. So that's D-I-V-Y-D-O-V-Y. -V -Y. Uh, it's a mixed bag though. So um, <laughs> you, you may not want to, uh, you may, you may, it's fine. Um, otherwise, yeah, if you want to talk work stuff, then uh, dave.locky at automatic.com. Um, you'll be able to find me on LinkedIn or whatever as well. I'm pretty responsive. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks, Mark.